This is the season of You Talk Show, where putting yourself first is always in season. Life is bound to suck at times, and that's why I've created this podcast, where you can learn tips and tricks to navigate the suck. Together, we grow through seasons of singleness, seasons of sadness, seasons of celebration, seasons of hope, and also seasons of nope. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. Let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the season of You Talk Show. Today, we are bringing a little different flavor to the podcast. I want to have real conversations with real people who are passionate about what they do. And I want everyone listening right now. So yes, you and your car to feel like you are a part of this conversation. So today I have on a wonderful guest who is so passionate about what she does. And also just, I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. So can you go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a little about what you do, who you are and how you got here. Absolutely. So my name is Shore Davidi and I work as a self-trust coach. I primarily work with queer folks, but I also work with all of our comrades and allies as well. And I, essentially what I like to say that I do is I help people come back home to themselves. So all the people that I work with, they have so much wisdom, their bodies have so much knowledge to share with them, but they've spent their lives being told that their bodies can't be trusted. Because if you are a woman, if you are a queer person, if you're a marginalized person, then you have grown up in a world that essentially has tried to tell you that whatever your body's trying to tell you is wrong. And you need to go to outside sources and outside systems to figure out the answers and what you quote unquote should be doing with your life. Uh, when the reality is all that information is available to you if you turn inward, but it's really, really difficult to do when you have all these different messages that you've internalized over the course of your life. So what I essentially do is I help guide people back towards that internal voice and learn how to recognize those ghosts of self-doubt inside that are constantly picking at us and trying to make us feel some type of way and help to stop listening to those so that we can live lives that are intentional and feel really good to us and in alignment. Wow. Okay. I think that, can we just start by defining trust? Because I think that there's a lot of people listening who may not even understand fully what trust is. And I think that we go through life. And like you were saying, we're told to look at everything else, but ourselves Mm -hmm. and instill our trust in, in money and cars and people and things that don't matter. And in jobs that aren't really that secure. And I think that our our image of trust is just very polluted. So can you tell us what trust means to you and kind of how you talk about it with your clients and in your business? Sure. I think for most people, it's easiest to conceptualize when you first think of trust with somebody else, because self-trust is a concept that sometimes people don't quite know what that means. They don't know what is it to trust who I am. So think about anybody in your life, like that you really love and care about who you would just trust with your life. This could be a partner. This could be a best friend, your mom, a family member, whoever it is. And what are the building blocks of the trust with them? And it's usually going to be that, you know, this person has your back, no matter what, you know, that you can be open and honest with this individual and they are going to be there for you. That no matter how you show up, they are still going to have love and care for you and that you can depend on them. And so we can really conceptualize this with other people more easily. But when it comes to ourselves, we're like, oh, what does that mean? But it's the same idea. Mm -hmm. It's literally that you have your own back, that you know that you are going to show up for yourself, that you trust your decisions that you are going to make in your life. Because a lot of us, when we go to make a decision, we don't trust ourselves at all. We go on the internet and we go into like a loop of, okay, what is anybody else saying about this? Can I find articles about this? Do all this research. You go and ask every single one of your friends, what would you do in this situation? What is this? And that doesn't help. I like grew up Googling things. I was just like, (laughs) am I allowed to wear the same sweatshirt two days in a row? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to life. Right. I was just like, I was like a tiny little high schooler. And I'm like, what do I do with my (laughs) life? Right. And 
I do think that we have fallen into this pattern of relying on other people for so much Mm -hmm. and just being like, oh, well, the answer's out there already. So why do I even need to look for it? And I think that that is a perfect, perfect explanation of we look for it in so many places, right? And we never turn to ourselves and say, hey, what about this? Like, what, what do Mm -hmm. I feel about this? And I mean, what, what can't you Google? What can't you YouTube? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I YouTube everything. I love YouTube, but at the end of the day, there's a difference between how to's and how do I's, you know what I mean? Exactly. And you know, this is not to say that the internet isn't full of wonderful information. Like I am constantly oh, no. learning stuff on TikTok and on YouTube and like applying it in my life. So of course, please do that. But when, especially when it comes to some of the deeper questions in life, like, you know, yeah. am I happy in my relationship? Am I happy in my career? Like, what do I want to do with my free time? Like the answers for that aren't necessarily on the internet because what, even if someone out there is saying, oh, you should do this, or this is what I would recommend. Like they are not you, they don't have your life. They don't have your circumstances. And so even if it's the best possible thing for them, that doesn't mean it's the best thing for you, but but of us can't hear our own internal voice. And so that's why we have to go to other places because we actually don't know what we want, what would feel good to us, like who we are, what is fun for us, because we spent so much time trying to basically be other people because that's what we were told we were supposed to do. I'm getting called out right now. Okay. So, (laughs) um, I met with this wonderful woman last week. She's someone who I like completely like look up to in a huge way. Mm -hmm. And we were out and we were having a drink and she, I, I said, listen, like, how do I know I'm moving in the right direction? And she said, listen, you do so much. How do you expect to hear anything or get clarity when all you do is go, go, go. She's Mm -hmm. like, this is not the answer you want. This is not the answer you want to do. But that's the thing is that when you keep moving and you just go, go, go and ignore, 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 your signals just turn off until you say, hey, um, I am sorry, please come back. (laughs) And then (laughs) you welcome them back into your life. And it's so easy. Again, I think it's easier to look outside than Mm -hmm. inside. But the inside is the real stuff. Those are the real answers. But it's scary, right? It is scary. You spend a lot of time away from looking inside of you. Mm -hmm. People are really afraid of like what they're going to find. Right. You know, if they're like, what if I look inside and I realize that like my life isn't what I thought that it was and it isn't what I want it to be. And then I'm just like stuck and I don't know what to do. And yes, that's scary. But like the reality is, as long as you're living and breathing, you're not stuck. Right. You can always change, go in a different direction. It might be really fucking hard, pretty yes, much always you can. is, but you can change. You can figure out a new path for yourself. You don't have to keep doing the same thing just because you've always done that thing. Let's say that again. If you are breathing, if your <laughs> eyes open, you are not stuck. You can move forward. Mm-hmm. It's, it might be, it's going to be hard because let me tell you, people get stuck in comfort Yes, and they don't want to leave the comfort, even if it's just surrounded by misery. And it's so interesting to me because there's so much possibility. There's so much life. There's such an extension of who we are that we have not tapped into. Mm-hmm. But we first have to trust ourselves and saying, hey, whatever I find, whatever I look at, it, that's that's me. That's that's in there. And we're going to mm-hmm. look at it. But that's not who I am. Right. I can can change it and I can evolve and I can become a better version. And I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when people look inside themselves, they say, Oh, well, that's, that's me. Like, it's like your permanent record when you're in high school, like (laughs) permanent record. Like they think that that's going to be with them forever. And it's like, Hey, you can look at it, acknowledge it, work through it, but you have the choice to change. Yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I think we also see this with 
the way other people treat us, right? When if we're growing and evolving, but other people are still treating us as that high school version of ourselves mm-hmm. or that college version of ourselves, you know, it leads to really crappy relationships because we're like, oh, well, this person is not recognizing that like, I am not that way anymore and I am growing. And the same thing happens with ourselves when we can't recognize that we are capable of this growth and this change, we start to feel out of alignment. And that's the thing is, If you are not living a life that actually feels good to you, your body has already been trying to let you know, you may have been ignoring it and pushing it down and pretending that that isn't what's happening, but your body is super smart. And when it is in distress, it is going to find different ways to tell you. And so a lot of us already know this and we're just like, oh, we don't want to touch that. And the reality is the longer that you keep pushing that down and ignoring it, the worse that those signals are going to get and the more distressing it's going to feel. I know I have this, I did an episode on this and it's just like, our body is literally screaming at us and we're like, Oh, you stupid. Bye. I'm not <laughs> listening. I'm fine. I know everything I need to know. And it's like, your body is real life smart. Mm-hmm. Your body is giving you every signal you need, but again, you need to be open to receiving that. Can you, can you educate me? Because I need to be better. Um, I love all, I accept all, but I can always be better. Can you educate me and my audience a little bit about why you chose this community, what that looks like, and just kind of where, why, where your heart belongs there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an interesting case and I can give you this sort of real life example of what it is like to ignore your body and then what can happen when you start to pay attention to it and uh, go with that change. So I thought that I was straight for pretty much my entire life into my mid twenties. And I actually was with a man and married a man who I was with for a total of 10 years. And during like a couple years into our marriage, I had some friends who were bi and kind of started thinking more about my sexuality, which is something I had never examined before. And I was like, oh, I think that I'm bi. Like, I think that I, you know, if I was single, like I would also be interested in dating women. And at the time I was like, this isn't going to change anything about my life or about my marriage. But the reality is that as I opened that door and started to explore it more, I actually realized that I was gay. And despite the fact that I had dated men for my entire life, I had hidden this very important truth from myself for many, many years. And I have a podcast that's called Conjuring Up Courage. And I did an entire episode, episode number 128, where I answered the question, how did you not know you were gay? Because oh, I'm going to have to listen to it. Yeah. I get asked that all the time. And so I talked about the many societal and personal reasons that I think contributed to the fact that I didn't realize I was gay for so long. But when we grow up in a cis heteronormative society that teaches us that, you know, being heterosexual, being cisgender, that these are the correct way to be and that anybody else is other or wrong. It's Mm -hmm. very easy to hide these truths from yourself. And so that was my experience. And so I ended up getting a divorce, uh, coming out as a lesbian. I have a fantastic girlfriend, uh, and I'm living a very different life now than I was a few years ago. And I've been very open about that experience because for queer people in general, like we just need as much representation as possible. We're still very much a minority in society. There's still laws and discrimination that we have to deal with against our human rights. So it was important to me to be very open in this is who I am. This, these are the experiences that I had because there are a lot of queer folks who end up coming out later. You know, we have this idea that everybody knows from a really young age, but that's not necessarily true. And for women in particular, it's far more common to come out later because of the expectations that patriarchy puts on women and the expectations we put of like, you exist to like, please a man to like, be pretty for men to get married, to have babies. And so that is such a common thing. And I wanted other people to know, like, yes, like this does happen. Like you're not alone and be the representation of that in the world. And as a result of that, I ended up just getting more and more clients who were in the queer community or who were starting to question their sexual orientation or starting to question their gender identity. And so I just switched to marketing specifically to the community because like- amazing. Yeah. Like I, one, I love it. My queer clients, I fucking love them. They are the best. Um, And it's not that I don't work with other people because I absolutely do, but I wanted to market specifically to this community because not a lot of people do. And not a lot of people have 
the expertise to do right. it or the knowledge, right? So it's not that people who aren't queer can't or shouldn't work with queer folks, but it takes a lot more work to like understand the community to try to see like, what am I not understanding based on my privilege and not being a part of this community? And so I wanted people to know, like, when you work with me, like this is a safe space for you. This is a space where your identity is going to be affirmed and it's going to be honored and celebrated, not just, you know, tolerated as it is in some other places. And that's kind of how I went in that direction because it was such a big part of my life, my mm -hmm. coming out journey that took many years and kind of happened later that I was like, I can't even imagine not working with queer people. Like it just speaks to my heart to work with this community. You had like a whole ass husband. This is amazing. Yeah, I had a whole ass husband. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so, so can you just speak to like, let's say someone is listening and they are in a relationship and they are like, Hey, I need to get out, but I don't know how, mm. what were kind of some steps you took to exit out of the relationship and kind of go see if this was something that was real for you. Yeah. So going back to the body piece, my body was telling me for years that something was wrong. Mm. I just didn't know what it was because the relationship itself was actually like objectively good. Like my partner was my best friend. We got along really well. Um, but like from the romantic and sexual perspective, something was missing. And again, patriarchy, I blame myself for years without thinking like, well, actually maybe it's, it's not you. It's like, you know, so your sexual orientation and it's always, but we are always literally so quick to blame ourselves. We're like, yes. Oh, well, it must be me. I'm the broken one. Exactly. Exactly. And so it took a while to get over that. Um, and you know, I also felt like, well, who leaves a relationship without a good reason? Whereas the reality is like, if your body is telling you that something isn't right, that's a good enough reason, right? Mm -hmm. Our bodies are smart, but it just took me a lot, a while to have the tools to really understand, okay, this is actually related to my sexuality. Like this is how I feel and to get to those layers. But one, I would say therapy. I will always, I always, always be a proponent of therapy. Um, I, when I came out as bi, I ended up going to a therapist who specialized in people who come out a little bit later. And she was with me like from the bi to gay to divorce to like that whole process and really helped me to understand. And she was also queer, which felt important to me that someone who like understood mm -hmm. the community. And so having someone else outside of the relationship to talk to, I feel like is really important. You need like an objective outside third party who's not involved in the situation who can help. And my ex and I were seeing a couples therapist as well. We had started seeing that couples therapist just to deal with some communication issues and then ended up seeing her like through the divorce process too. And she was wonderful. So that was good for both of us to have that. So um, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to camp out on the sexuality piece here <laughs> because I'm probably never going to talk about it with anyone else. So I would sure. just like to dive right in while I have someone who is as well-spoken and smart as you are. So if someone is like, if they've never even looked at their sexuality, right? If they're just like, Hey, I don't know. What are the first mm -hmm. steps you took to really like starting to listen to your body and hearing those signals? Like what is the first step into examining your sexuality, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So because we live in a cis-heteronormative society, many of us never examine that, or we don't mm -hmm. examine it until far, far later. Like the vast majority of people, unless you have like kind of a strong inclination, otherwise just assume that they're straight. We all just mm -hmm. kind of assume that we're straight. And we know that sexuality can be fluid for a lot of people and that there is a big spectrum of sexual orientations. It's not just gay and straight, like there right. is bisexual and pi pansexual and there's um, the ace and arrow spectrum and gender identity, like all these different things that many of us just don't think about. So I think one of the first places that people can start is just by educating themselves, especially if you've always been like identified as straight, just learn like, okay, what are the other sexual orientations that are out there? What are some of these labels that you're hearing about? And what does that mean? Because one of the things that really helped me to like, even get to the part of thinking I was bisexual was that I had friends who were bi who dispelled a bunch of the myths for me, who mm -hmm. I had always, you know, growing up one, I didn't have, there was no like bisexual representation really growing up. 
But I always was like, oh, bi people like men and women 50-50. Like that's what it means to be bi. That is not the definition of bi at all. Like it is people who like their own gender and other genders. Wait, because you're so right. In my head, I know that it's not 50-50, but I, I think I feel like, I'm like, bye, that can be, you know, a gender. But for a very long time, I'm pretty sure I thought it was 50-50, just like in my head, like a split. Right. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, no, 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 no. There is a large spectrum no. here. But when I was younger, I'm telling you, I for sure thought it was 50-50. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do. And, you know, the reality is like a lot of bi folks are romantically attracted to one specific gender, but then maybe they're more sexually attracted to another gender. And maybe they're like 95% attracted to men, but then like 5% attracted to women, like everybody's different and mm -hmm. it can mean a lot of different things. So it encompasses a lot of stuff. So I think there are tons of people and especially tons of women out there who actually would identify as bi or pan if they knew the real definitions of these words if they were like oh well yeah actually i do have some attraction i've just never done it and people also assume if i have never acted on it then i can't call myself that thing and i get right. that struggle because for me it was really hard when i was going through my divorce like it took me a while to claim the label of lesbian because at that point in time like i had kissed a couple of girls growing up but like i hadn't sexually been with a woman and i was like oh like what if i'm wrong and like this isn't actually how i feel and again, body, super smart. It's like, I, I knew, and we don't put that on straight people, right? Nobody no. asks like straight kids. Oh, well, have you been with somebody? Is that how you know that you're straight? No, because we know that people can just know that about themselves, regardless of their sexual experiences. Think <laughs> about what we teach women when it comes to sex, right? Like we are taught that our entire sexual existence is to please men and to perform for them. And mm -hmm. this is like one of the things that contributed to me not knowing I was gay is when sex is a performance and you're not in touch with yourself or your pleasure, then of course you're not gonna know if like, is this the way that it's supposed to be, right? I had nothing to compare it to. Right. And you know, my experience of having sex with women versus having sex with men are like literally night and day different where I'm like, Oh, this is what sex is supposed to be like. You're supposed to enjoy all of it, all the different parts of it. And, uh, like giving, which is something I never liked when I was with men and just like have this whole total, like physical body experience and be present. Mm -hmm. But when we live in a world where women are constantly saying to their friends, like, Oh uh, yeah. You know, I just like got to give them the birthday sex or, uh, yeah, it's like, it's not that great, but like, who's, who's sex life is that great in their marriage? Like we've just made it acceptable that like it's sex a chore is thing that we have right. to do for the men in our lives. And when that's acceptable, of course we don't question like, well, actually, no, we could be having really good sex potentially with men. If you're into men, I'm, I wasn't, and I'm not, but <laughs> Um, if you are, you could find a partner who is great for that. But I'll tell you when you're having sex with women, because those expectations don't exist and it's two women, like you don't have to deal with that shit. And so right. it's pleasure town USA for everyone. That's right. Full steam ahead <laughs> to pleasure town. That's Listen, right. everyone's always satisfied at pleasure town. Mm -hmm. So Okay. That was great. And I think that there's so many people who they just feel this, uh, this choking feeling around saying their truth out loud. And yeah. I think it's, it's for the fear of being judged, right? Because why, yes. why, why else would we hide it? And mm -hmm. I think oftentimes like we're afraid to judge ourselves. Like we're like, Oh God. Yeah. And so do your clients ever come to you and just say like, Cause there are afraid, like we're all afraid to look at shit, right? What mm -hmm. is the most common thing your clients come to you for? So the most common thing that my clients come to me for is like, typically they just feel out of alignment and like their life is not really theirs anymore. Mm -hmm. Like they've come to the realization that they've been doing all the things that they thought were the right things to do that they were told they were supposed to do but they still don't really feel particularly happy. They don't feel particularly satisfied, but they also don't know why. Most of us get stuck in this place where we're like, this is not where I wanna be, but I don't know how to get out of here. And so that is my job with them is to help them like 
unpack all of the stuff so that they can see more clearly like what it is and what would actually improve their life and make it for the better. Because people usually come to me after they've tried all the things that are supposed to make them happy, right? They're like, oh, well, I tried this diet and like that didn't do anything. And, you know, this person on the internet said, if I wake up at 5 a.m. and I write all of these uh, journaling things and I make my special cup of coffee and whatever, that should make me feel amazing. And that didn't work. And so they're just kind of like at a loss of like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. uh, so I tend to be like a last effort place for people. Sometimes people catch it earlier and they're like, oh, this is what I need. But a lot of times it's people who've tried a bunch of stuff and they're like, I'm just tired right. of trying everybody else's supposed method of what's going to work for me. I'm like, yeah, because those people are not looking at you and your life and they're not mm -hmm. asking you the questions of like, what is it that you need and what would work for you? Like, I don't prescribe things for my clients. I'm not like, you need to do this. And like, this is what will make you happy. It's like, I don't have those answers. They have the answers. They just don't know how to unlock them. So that's where I come in. Yes. You just have to break through some layers. No, that yeah. is so important. Now, if someone is just starting to look at themselves and like, look at their insides and mm -hmm. the longer we don't look at them, the more scary they get, the more stories <laughs> we tell ourselves. Right. Yes. And it just keeps piling up and up and up. It's like the monsters in the closet. And it's so crazy how when we were young and we were children, it's like, there were so many things that they were like, oh, fear was instilled in many ways. And I mm -hmm. think we just internalize so much of that fear that when we open our own closet door, what's going to come out. And it's like, the yeah. monster isn't that scary. It's scarier to live with the door closed. Yes. Than it, than it is to open and actually look what's inside. I know for me, when I was going through this process of like looking inside of myself, I was petrified, but I also said, Hey, what am I going to find? Like, I am mm -hmm. good. Like whatever I see, I see, and it's happened. Maybe whatever it was, it's happened. And I'm going to have to look at that and work through that with my therapist and go from there. Now, don't get me wrong. I still have a Pandora's box. I have not opened in therapy. <laughs> I try to open it and then I just cry. And I'm like, all right, put that one back on the shelf. Let it collect some more dust. Um, emotional dust collecting. Yes. And, but in reality, it's not that scary. Once you just crack the door, there's more fear in opening the door than what's inside. Yes. There's definitely more fear in opening the door. And I think we like to play the what if game with ourselves. We're just like, well, what if it's horrible? What if it's this? And what I always tell clients is if you're going to play the what if game, that's fine, but you need to play it fairly because those aren't the only possible outcomes. So if yes. you're going to say, what if the most horrible thing happens, can you also ask yourself, well, what if the best possible thing happens? And then usually it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. We rarely actually get the most best case scenario and the worst case scenario. There's the hundreds of possibilities somewhere in the middle is what we actually deal with. And you can handle any of those things because this is within your own body and your own mind, and you are capable of dealing with this stuff. And the reality is until you know that it exists, you can't do anything about it. So yes. you're not going to feel any better. You have to examine the thing, look at the thing, and then you can decide, okay, what do I want to do from here? Poke it with if the stick. Ignore it. Yeah. Right. If you ignore it. Like what are you going to do with that? Absolutely nothing. You're going to keep coming back to this place where you're like, well, this sucks. I don't feel great. I don't know what to do about it. You do know what to do about it. You're just afraid to do that thing. And I don't blame you, but right. you have to build up the courage to look at that. And there's ways to do it safely, right? With a therapist, with other support in place, making sure that you are taking care of yourself when you're looking at those things, using a workbook or mm -hmm. any other number of tools. Like you don't have to do it alone if it feels too scary. Yeah. And you said something earlier. I just kind of want to circle back to, and you were talking about generic advice from the internet. And I think <laughs> that that is very, very big because a lot of people buy these workbooks off of Amazon and they watch a YouTube video and they're like, all right, I have my morning routine. This should fix me. And it's like, in reality, your morning routine, the journal, nothing is going to fix you until you're able to say, Hey, I'm ready to be fixed. And yeah. also there's nothing you need to be fixed, right? You just need to understand. And I think right. that was kind of one of the biggest shifts in my life. Um, my nephew had passed away and I was afraid to look at nothing anymore because mm -hmm. after you watch your six-year-old nephew die, you're like, all right, 
Nothing is scarier than that. Yeah. And so I was finally able to say, okay, I'm ready to be cracked open. And when I was cracked open, I said, this isn't a time to judge myself. This is a time to understand who I am because life is really fucking short. Exactly. We make the mistake of thinking we have all the time in the world to handle these things. And that was one of the biggest lessons that I took out of my divorce is I was like, yes, like coming out late. I wish I would have come out sooner and better late than never, because a lot of people go to their grave and they never had the courage to do what I did to leave a relationship. They weren't happy in anymore to give themselves the opportunity to have more happiness. And we just think like, I'll get to that, you know, maybe when I'm older, maybe whatever. And like, maybe you'll have the time then, but you don't know for sure. And so if you don't know for sure, like why not prioritize these things that could make a real impact on your life, however much of it you have left now. Did you ever feel when you were getting ready to leave that it was like a selfish decision? Ooh, so I had a lot of guilt about it at first because I was very like upset with myself. Like, how did you not know this about yourself? Like, this Mm -hmm. is not fair to my ex-husband. Like, and I felt like really horrible. And so that was one of the things I had to work through with therapy where my therapist was like, well, this is not your fault. So you Mm -hmm. don't need to hold guilt about this. Like society is one of the main reasons you didn't know this about yourself. You weren't actively withholding this. And I didn't have the tools to unpack it and understand it and make the decisions that I needed to make. And so it was only once I had those that I was ready. It's the same way if someone, you know, is in um, an abusive relationship or something like mm-hmm. that. People are like, well, why didn't you leave? And it's like, because the safety and the circumstances and all these other pieces like contribute to when a person is able or feels like they could leave. So, you know, we have to be nice to ourselves yes. <laughs> about the situations that we're in. Um, I don't think that I felt selfish. Like it was a really sad situation because again, this was someone who had been like my best friend who I really loved and cared about. And I had envisioned a very specific future for us. We mm-hmm. both had. And so letting that go was very painful. Like I went through a lot of grief. Right. You grieved so many more things than just a relationship. Exactly. And I think a lot of people didn't understand that. I was like, you don't understand how many things I am grieving. Like I was in just a pit of grief for a long time, but the reality was staying would have been more selfish Mm -hmm. because not only would it have kept me from being able to have a future that I am happier, but it also would have kept my ex from being able to have a future where he is happier because doesn't he also deserve to have someone who can love him fully, who is not gay, you know, who can give him everything that he wants in a relationship. He does. And so that for me, I was like, this isn't selfish, but I will tell you that men on the internet like to constantly tell me that I am a horrible person for doing that to my husband. Yes. I get comments all the time about how dare I ruin his life and like all this stuff. And I'm like, y'all, first of all, this man is fine. He got a new girlfriend a month before I got a new girlfriend. Like he is doing great. But even if he weren't my existence is not to please the man that I married. And this is what men on the internet seem to think. I'm like, my job is to live a life that is authentic to me and do it in the you know best way I can with the most integrity that I can. And it was a joint decision to get a divorce. It wasn't right. just me. I didn't do anything to him. So it's interesting how some people view it that way though. So can you kind of compare your relationship you had with your husband to the relationship you have with your girlfriend and kind of what you've noticed about yourself from each relationship that's different? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, as I said, my ex and I, we had like a really lovely Mm -hmm. relationship and that was meaningful to me. And I'm, I'm glad that we had it. And now being with my girlfriend, I can also see where there were things missing that until I had the direct comparison, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So from like a romantic and sexual perspective, like with my girlfriend, it's just like a totally different experience. Like it is rainbows and butterflies and sunshine. And like, it's, you know, I years and years ago, when I first got with my husband, I probably would have been like, yeah, like that's what I have with him. But it's like, that was inaccurate. Like I 
loved him in the way that you like love a best friend or a family member and thought that it was I was like, gonna say brother love exactly and I, people always think that's weird but when people ask me like oh what would you describe now I'm like I think of him as like a brother now and I know that's weird because I was married to the man for a long time but I really do think of him like a brother and like the the difference you know with my girlfriend now is like no it is like this like deep core like love like you know like a I burning even... flame yes yeah it's like a burning you flame. don't have to keep blowing blowing air on the fire anymore that <laughs> bitch just roars it's just roaring all the time like just making me feel all the like happy glittery feelings and it's something that's interesting too is that you know my ex and I, we were together for a total of 10 years. And when we got together, like I hadn't done any therapy. I had a lot of family trauma and shout out, (laughs) shout out to that. Uh, and we built these communication patterns that were not the most healthy. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, towards the end of the relationship, we did go to couples therapy and start to work on those. But when you have these habits that are super ingrained from years and years of being with somebody, it is really difficult to change those. We tried, Mm -hmm. but it's difficult. And what was so lovely when starting to date my girlfriend is like all of the tools and things that I'd learned from therapy, from looking at myself, from going to couples therapy, I was able to start fresh with her to apply those immediately. Mm -hmm. And so the result is that like, we have way better communication and we know how to set boundaries with each other and speak to each other. And so the overall relationship just feels like more mature and mature as a result. So that's been like this weird silver lining of like, you know, getting out of like a 10 relationship, 10 year relationship that started when I was younger. Like my ex and I started dating when I was 20. So that was like when I was a little baby. Dude. Yeah. I feel that I entered a relationship when I was 20 and I was like, I definitely don't want kids. And then three years later, I was like, fuck man, I would like a child. Um, Are you still (laughs) on that? No kid train. I mean, I was 20 and I had no idea what I was saying. I mean, I'm 28 and still don't have a child yet. But the thing is, is that now I know. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest difference is when you are that young, you just don't know. No. You're just trying you to think you do though. You do. You think that you're right. And then the more days go on, you just, you're like, oh no. Oh boy. Well, here we are. Well, <laughs> but you can get out. <laughs> you can, you can. And it's so funny because my ex, like when we got married, I was leaning towards not wanting children. He was leaning towards wanting children. And I continued to lean in the not wanting children direction. And we had several conversations, like before we ended up getting divorced, where he was like, well, like, I think that I would like a child, but also I don't want to give up this relationship for it. And one of the biggest benefits that now he has gotten is he was like, when we got divorced, he was like, well, I'm only going to date people who want kids now, because now that I have this opportunity, I've realized that I want this. And so I'm like, he is getting more what he wants and like for his future out of this as well. Like it's, it ended up being for to everyone's benefit. That's amazing. Now, do you have any books you recommend or anything like that? If someone is listening and they want to just like dip their toe or maybe get some more education around it. Cause I know, I know you're really big on the word tools and I'm sure you must have a book or two in there. Absolutely. I love books. Um, one of my favorites is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. We can um, do hard things. Yes. Yes. And, um, her podcast is also fantastic with her and Abby, but, uh, Untamed is really good for, she talks a lot about like our inner knowing and like mm-hmm. how to turn inwards to figure out our decisions. And so that's a really wonderful one to start developing self-trust. Uh, another one is I have it right next to me so I can remember the name. Um, this is like a new one. It's called the Lightmakers manifesto and it's by Karen Walrand, who is uh, friends with Brene Brown. And this one is really great about, um, figuring out like how to build activism and social justice into your everyday life by figuring out like, what are your personal values and what is it that you like to be doing? And then how you can apply those to that, which is something I end up working on a lot with my clients too. So those are two of the best ones, I think, for getting started with looking at some of this stuff. Awesome. Now, When it comes to creating relationships that are within your values, like that's a really tricky, it's not tricky, but it Mm. feels tricky. It's like one of those things where it's like, okay, first I need to understand my values, right? Yes, you do. (laughs) One of mine is 
I have such pure intentions. Like if I ever do anything to offend someone, it's literally because it must've just happened that way because I am, I am pure as shit. I'm like, listen, everything I do is well-intentioned. I do nothing bad intentioned. And here's the thing. If you have bad intentions, I can't roll with you. Right. Because I am like a pure little ice cube. Like (laughs) truthfully. And I, I, I feel that to my core and that's something I'm not willing to give up on. And Mm -hmm. I've associated with people who are not pure little ice cubes and it does bad things to me and it does not make me feel good. So if someone hasn't really like gone about finding some values, like, do you have any, any words on that? Yeah. So looking at your values is something that I always do with my clients because it informs so much of the rest of our lives when we are connected with those. And, you know, people look at those values lists on the internet and it'll be like, here's a hundred values. And they're like, oh, but all of these are important to me. And I'm like, no, they like, you can care about all of them, but actually you only need like four to five, like core values that Mm -hmm. like inform your decisions and like what matters to you. And there's a lot of different ways to get at those. Like some of the exercises that you can do are one, like thinking about the people that you look up to most, what is it that you look up to in them? Like, why is it that these are the people that you're like, "Mm, I wish that like, I could be more like them. Like that's often like a really good clue to what your values are in that situation. Also thinking back over the course of your life, like what are the times that like you felt like your best or your most proud in those things? And like, what are the times where you just like felt like it, like you were just saying, like when you associate with people who have bad intentions, you feel like that crap in your body. Mm -hmm. So thinking about that, like, what have you done in your life that like, you did not feel good about, right? Like, were there times that you like lied or you misled somebody or like whenever you get that icky feeling, that's like a really good sign of like something that you value and that you're actually out of integrity with one of those values. So just starting to ask yourself some of these deeper questions about that and trying to get to some of these these key words that seem to inform your decisions is how I think is one of the best ways to just start with values. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you say, look at the people who you look up to. Um, I did a podcast at the beginning of this year called my three most influential women of 2021. Mm. And one of them was my therapist. The other one was Emily Hayden. She's a fitness influencer who is way more than a fitness influencer. She's just like a life influencer. And the other one, (laughs) her name is Bianca Oltoff and she is a pastor. You were going through the list and I was like, okay, what do I look up to in each one of these women? Mm -hmm. And you said you're four. And then I got my other three because Mm -hmm. each one of them brings something so completely different to what I enjoy. But I've also been told that when you see something in someone else, it's really because you see it in yourself. And when you watch someone and you're like enraptured by them and you get like a glimmer Mm -hmm. of hope, it's because you know, inside of you somewhere, you're capable of that too. Yeah. It's the capability. It's realizing that like the best version of yourself, the Mm -hmm. the person that you want to be, you see it within them. You may not be there yet and that's okay. You can work towards it, but like it is possible for you. Speaking of bad intentions, uh, not only is the song bad intentions by Nikki Heaton great, but I'm starting a podcast for girls in high school because high school is like rough. Would you like to do a podcast on that too? Okay. I would. So my best friend in high school used to steal clothes, like from other people's house. (laughs) And I was thinking about like podcast episodes and I'm like, I have to do one on that because like, I felt so icky during the Mm. entire thing. And she was just like stashing it. And I was just like, this is not what life is about. Like, but (laughs) when you're that young, you're like, I will do anything for friends. And I think we just get into the habit of letting people's habits be like slide or like go unnoticed because we'd rather be around people that aren't really our vibe than be alone. But I'm here to tell you being alone is fucking awesome. I, (laughs) I love it. Like it's a wonderful time. Like nothing's wrong. No one to disappoint me. It's a, it's a great time. And I think but not that, in high school, cause in high school, it's like, oh my God, I don't want to be rejected by everybody. I have to fit in. Oh, like yes, high school we all is, did to fit in. High school is a whole different ball game. And I really think that podcast is going to pop because <laughs> high school, like high school is rough. And yeah. it's just like, listen, it's not over. 
like your life is not over. There's so mm-hmm. much more after. And I think that my, I told my therapist the other day and she's like, Megan, this is you healing your inner child. And I was like, yeah, you're not wrong because a bitch wished she had an older sister when she was going through high school, but she didn't. <laughs> okay. And now I want to be an older sister to all these girls who listen, because listen, you need to wash your face. You need to moisturize your face. They know. Oh my God. The high schoolers now know all the skincare stuff. And I'm like, you are way ahead of them. I used to use like dream matte mousse. God bless. No, oh, thank you. Dream matte mousse with the little ice blue eyeshadow. <laughs> it's really tragic. I got you girl. It's really tragic. And it's just, but again, you, a lot of people let those same actions and habits bleed into mm-hmm. their adult life. And it's like those people who don't vibe with your values don't need to be in your life forever. It's no. okay to transition into your next stage of friendship, right? You, maybe yeah. they don't give something to you. I actually had this conversation on Saturday. I saw someone I haven't seen in a while. We used to be really close and she's done a lot for me. And I looked at her and I said, I don't fit in your life right now. And that's okay. I said, I want you to go live your life and be happy. I was like, I'm grateful um, for everything that's happened, but it's okay. Don't keep apologizing that you're a terrible friend, right? Just go live your life. I'm going to go live my life. I'm very capable. (laughs) And you know, if anything ever does change, you know, I'm right here. Mm -hmm. And I think people are so afraid to have that conversation. And, you know, of course they were like, no, no, no. I'm like, yes, I need to do this for me because I can't Mm -hmm. keep being strung along. Right. And also stop apologizing. There's nothing to apologize for. People have, people make time for people they want to see. Right. Yeah. And I'm quadruple million times busy and I make time for people. And I know you and this person who I can see your location, not anymore. Cause I also turned that <laughs> off. You're not that busy. <laughs> Also, if you're sharing your location with anyone, just don't everyone listening, just go ahead and just unshare from every single human. You will feel liberation. That's I, all. The fact that people do that always amazes me. Cause I know a lot of people do that, but I have never once like just shared just, my location permanently. Just with don't, just don't. <laughs> so if you I'm are listening it. to anyone, you will feel a sense of freedom. Go ahead and hit that unshare button. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's hard to cut it's hard to change relationships and to cut relationships when they've been a part of your life. Like I've definitely had to do that a few times. And like, there was a feeling of guilt, of course, of like, Oh, Mm -hmm. well, this person still wants to be my friend. And like, I should like keep showing up. And then I was just like, I do not have to feel that way. Like not every relationship is meant to last a lifetime and not every relationship is meant to like go without like breaks. Cause sometimes you like break with somebody, have a few years apart and then like you come back together and you end up having an amazing relationship. That's happened right. to me with a lot of people in my life where like we disconnected for a while and then reconnected and like ended up with this amazing relationship. And if we had just tried to string it along for the years in between, we probably wouldn't have gotten to this good point. Like we needed the space and we needed the growth. And then sometimes there are people who you literally just outgrow. You mm-hmm. grow in two different directions. You don't fit into each other's lives anymore. And when you spend time with them, you don't feel better. Like that's yeah. what I always notice. If you're spending time with somebody and it feels like a chore, you're dreading it afterwards. You're like, well, that wasn't very fun. I didn't have a good time. Like that is something to ask yourself. Like, do I need this person in my life? Is there ways that I can separate myself out from this person? Because we only have so much time and I don't want to spend it with people that like, don't light me up to be with. Like yeah. that's real. And it's fine. There's, there's room in this world for everyone, but you need to make sure, like you said, that you're surrounding yourself with people who you want to be with. Mm -hmm. Because life is just too fucking short. I, like you said, I don't have time. Like that's kind of the moral of this whole episode. Yes. Like we don't know how much time we have. Like we need to do the things that like feel really good for us and align with our values and bring us joy. And like, that is the path. That is the way. (laughs) life is short, honor yourself. Mm-hmm. We will end on this note. Um, what are some of your favorite ways to honor yourself? Ooh, this is a great question. So some of my favorite ways to honor myself are 
to make time for things that aren't like capitalism adjacent. So obviously we all have to work. We have to make a living in this hellscape of a society, but I I want a refund. It's a freaking scam. Uh, but outside of that, I do not want to, I used to work like 80, 90 hours. I was once a lawyer and that was bananas. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I really tracks, but (laughs) thank you very much. Yes. Uh, intelligence does run in the family. I'm not, I'm not shy to say it. (laughs) Um, but so for me, like, it's so easy for me to go into work mode and to like fit into the capitalism of like, I got to like work on my to-do list. I'm an entrepreneur. So my to-do list is never ending. Like Mm -hmm. there's always something that I could be doing. And I really had to be like, no, we need to do things that like give back to ourselves that like are really warming for my soul. So for me, that's like creative things. Um, I love to play music. I do trapeze. So I make time for trapeze classes. Um, so like aerial arts, okay. um, yeah. it's so the trapeze, it's like, um, two ropes and a bar. Like you've probably heard like oh, the okay. swinging trapeze. I don't do swinging trapeze, but it's like a similar art gotcha. form. Wow. Um, yeah. So I do that. Uh, I like to just do crafty things. Like I have some uh, yard flamingos right now that I'm about to turn rainbow glitter, which is going to be Ooh. a delight, all that kind of stuff. So that's one of the biggest things for me is like, make sure that I, I'm finding time to do those things that I'm not getting paid for that, like, mm-hmm. you know, aren't giving me any kind of special like clout or anything. It's literally just for me and to do that. And then I think another thing honoring myself right now too, also means honoring my relationships and mm-hmm. spending time with those people that I really care about spending time with my girlfriend, spending time with my friends and being around people who just like really light me up and who I like to be around. I'm also an extrovert. So like I get energy from speaking with people and talking with people. And I can tell when I spend too much time, like here home in my office and I haven't gone out and seen people like it's, I start to drag. And as soon as I get to have a conversation with someone I love, it just brings me back up to where I want to be. Self-awareness, baby. It changes everything. Mm -hmm. Listen, self-awareness literally changes the game. Because if you had no idea, you'd still be dragging. Like, yep. It's truly, I love the idea of self-awareness and the whole concept. It's just like your life gets so much easier when you understand yourself. Right. And you understand it why does. you like what you what, we'll conclude with your body ain't stupid. Okay. <laughs> Trust yourself. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your time today. I am so appreciative. And I know this episode is going to help just so many women just say, okay, it's time for me to have a conversation with myself mm-hmm. and to really like look inside. And I hope that this really just like removed the first layer of tape for them to say, okay, the box is now, it's now sitting there. All I have to do is <laughs> open it. Right. Yes. The tape has been removed. Like there's no shame. There's no harm. There's all you can do is learn. And yes. if you don't add shame to yourself, it's not going to be there. And I'm just so grateful for you inviting this conversation in um, and being willing to answer all these questions and have this conversation. <laughs> so thank you so much. Where can people find you? Where can they view more of your goodness? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. I'm glad that we got to do this. And I also hope for everyone listening that, you know, you can take one step closer to finding trust in yourself, finding acceptance in yourself. Like it's a process. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to do everything at once and change your whole life. Like you can just take some baby steps and it will all be worth it. So I appreciate that. Uh, where can y'all find me? I am at Shore Davidi pretty much everywhere. I spend most of my time on Instagram and on TikTok. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook, but I don't do that much there, but if that's your platform, you can go there. Uh, I have a podcast called Conjuring Up Courage, where I release Mm -hmm. bi-weekly episodes. I've got over 130 episodes. So is that two a week or one every other week? One every other week. Yes. Because it could be both. I could, I know every time I say it, I'm like, I should say this differently. Um, but it's every other week I used to do weekly and for years. And then I was like, this is killing me. So I switched it to every other week, which has been a much better pace for me, but there's like over 130 backlog of episodes that you wow. can check out with all kinds of stuff. And, uh, as far as other ways to connect with me, I have a weekly newsletter called the queer agenda, which you can sign Ooh. up for on my website at shoridavity.com forward slash subscribe. And I work with people as a coach. I do one-on-one coaching and I also have a group coaching program called follow your arrow, which opens up for enrollment twice a year. 
Thank you so, so much for being here. And I hope you have a magical day. I hope that you do too. Thanks so much. 